0: I'm Charlie Rossiter. Oh, wait. What do you like? Do you want um, Robert or just plain Rusty or Robert Rusty Russell? Whatever you want.
1: Um, anything except shithead is fine with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Rusty it is. I only learned your name is Robert like a week ago.
1: Well, you know, I had I to be up. in in Mexico. I had to be Robert because oh. Mexicans They just, I had a Mexican girlfriend, and she was really adamant. She said, Rusty is not a name for a man. It's like, okay.
0: Whoa, I never would have thought of that. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Rusty Russell, coming to us from Madison, Wisconsin, which some of us think of as the Berkeley of the Midwest, a truly wonderful, wonderful city. And Rusty is a really interesting guy. He uh, was active in the slam scene back in the 90s. He coached the Madison team. He says he took them to the national finals to a stunning defeat for several years back in the early 90s. And then he went to himself as an individual performer and came out about the same way. But that's why Rusty's so good. He's pretty damn funny. And his poetry is excellent. And he knows how to put it across. I recently learned that he moved to Mexico six years ago, but he came back and he's taught poetry all over the place, including the Universidad Autonoma de Chihuahua. And his poetry collection is available at Amazon. And here's Rusty Russell. We're going to talk some poetry and hear some good poems.
1: Well, the title of that collection is Witness. It's a, uh, uh, my parents were Methodist and I was raised Methodist and Witness at least in that religion is a verb you witness for the lord and also it occurs to me that if there's any point in life at all it's simply to witness all of this around us so i like to keep it short and sweet okay is your
0: fundamental poetic there as a poet you're a witness
1: yeah yeah that's it that's that's (laughs) it
0: I know you have poems on, uh, if I read all of your poetry, I would be better able to uh, know the answer to my coming question, but since I've only read some of it and heard you do readings, do you have any particular, do you think, uh, kind of fixations or thematic things that keep coming back to you uh, when you're writing?
1: Not really. Um, Every poem that's, worth its salt at least for me it feels like a gift and i don't know where it comes from it just comes up and if i sit down and try to write a poem it's gonna suck um it's just gotta happen so i found that what i do over the years every morning when i wake up i start writing I just write anything that comes to mind. I remember dreams. I do rants, whatever. Just keep the words flowing through me like blood, and sooner or later you reach the poetry. Uh, sometimes much later, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. But nonetheless, if I don't keep writing, it ain't going to come. So, but no, I, I do. I, you know, there's the persona poems that you've seen. You know, which always go over very well um, in person and in slams because they're accessible. Um, but more lyrical stuff. And um, what I'm going to lead off with here is a, an educational poem for you. Um, but just anything that comes to mind, it happens. Well, let's hear an educational poem and we'll All right
0: get into the background some more.
1: This is How Time Works. Every day around one o'clock, time stops. No one notices it but me the second hand of the clock above the whirlpool bath at the health club, jigging back and forth for what seems like years. The whirlpool boils, the swimmers in the lap pool behind me continue saving their own lives from the pool that couldn't care less. But we all stop aging for that indeterminate stretch between 105 and 106, or some days 107. This is when five-year-old Randy Deets Returns from beneath the azaleas beside my parents' porch after slapping jam polling and making her cry. The smell of first grade, Crayolas, school lunch milk, pencil shavings, and the corridor with the fire drill buzzer on the wall all settles like a hen over the entire gym and the town and then lifts. The FedEx guy at the front desk of the gym is handing the receptionist his ballpoint pen and for now. Neither of them notice that it's clogged, he's frozen, and I'm six years old. The backs of my parents' heads in the darkened old Pontiac turn to one another as we drive through the night on vacation to Florida. Their whispers and the hum of the tires and shadows pass over me in the back seat. We are never there yet. I don't need to stop at a gas station again, but wait. I remember we left my little brother, Mike, back there at the last one. He wanders out of the men's room sleepily, looks around the empty parking lot. Mosquitoes and giant moths swarm around the street light and he begins to cry. We're pulling farther and farther away. The shadows sweep through the car. I can barely keep my eyes open. My mother slowly opens a thermos of coffee for my my father, murmurs his name, Bob, the power lines throb past. Where's Mike? But Bob is my name too. And the second hand carries us into 107.
0: (laughs) That's a great scenario.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it actually happened. And my name is Bob, Robert, Bob.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when things are odd like that, I, I tend to think there's a good chance that it really happened. <laughs> like, you don't make this up. Yeah, my parents left my little brother at a, at a truck stop on the highway. <laughs> yeah, it just happens. <laughs> but as you said, uh, your job as a poet is to to uh, to witness. I always 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 like uh, if people ask me how I write poems or what's important for writing poems, is say we well, have to notice things, and then you have to notice that you noticed
1: oh yeah yeah or who was it that said the most important thing is just tell the truth
0: there you go well, i think a lot of people say that yeah a lot of um, poets you know
1: yeah perry mason i think said it first but oh there
0: you go <laughs> just like if you want to write poetry read poetry yeah hope you're all taking notes folks this is basic stuff yeah, mighty esoteric
1: yeah. and there will be an exam at the end of this so They should be paying attention. It's called life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, these are interesting times, as I don't need to point out, you know, that Chinese curse, may you live in interesting times. We are living in interesting times, all right. And it occurred to me because I've seen this pandemic compared to um, the 9-11 terrorist attack several times Mm -hmm. uh, in various ways. And then I remembered that I actually wrote a poem the day after that, 9-11, and I went back and looked at it, and it seemed remarkably appropriate for now. Um, so I'm going to read it today. Yeah. you. Yeah, oh, great. Excellent. And it's called September 12th, 2001. Today I know winter has not forgotten me. What leaves are left are already lost. I... Fear the end of the past. The neighbor's lawnmower has finally stopped. And a million lips in the trees above me whisper, where will we go from here? A million tongues of wind reply. Sometimes the world says just what it means. It means all at once. It says, choose one. Sometimes it means we are waiting to be noticed. It says, where are you? Sometimes it says, there are so many of us. It means you are not alone. It says, time to go. You say, so soon.
0: Oh. Yeah. Here's here's something I'll throw out because uh, my uh, clever son pointed this out to me or mentioned it as a thought that in a big way, the way this happened is happening, and the impact of it is different than nine one one because nine one one was like a bam, a point in time, and there it was. We were trying to talk about long term impacts, and with nine one one, it definitely air travel is different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And with this, it seems most things are going to be changes will be changed. Changes mm-hmm. might ex- working at home will accelerate.
1: Yeah. But it will be it's practice. it's more like
0: a continuous variable rather than a, a dichotomous variable, you could say.
1: It's a plague. It is. Wow. It's amazing. It's <laughs> just your basic old fashioned plague. What the heck? I mean what's what's next? It's gonna start raining frogs and serpents.
0: Oh. I was gonna ask, by the way, before that other poem, uh so you do not believe you get up in the morning and you write, you do not believe in writer's block, I take it? Um You can always write words. I'm saying what I believe is you can always write words.
1: Yeah. Well, I can always write words. The thing is for every poem that I'm more or less satisfied with, there are about a (laughs) hundred that I am embarrassed to have even written. Um, but you gotta go through all of those hundred to get to that one. You know, it's, it's that old Chinese thing, the longest journey begins with the first step. So, if you don't write the shitty ones, you'll never get to the good ones.
0: Yeah, like panning for gold. Yeah. Getting that little speck out of all the.
1: Yeah, except they don't pay off.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, you won a poetry contest recently, and so that paid off.
1: Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it did pay off. It's interesting. Uh, It's the same contest that I won years ago when it first started. And I won it. Um, I sent in all the stuff, you know, the entry and all that stuff. And it always takes these guys so long to make their decisions that I forgot that I even entered <laughs> until um, I was in Mexico and I got this phone call from someone saying, congratulations, you won. And it was like, is this Ed McMahon? I won what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you going to read that, Paul?
1: Is that part of what you're going to do? I, um, whatever you want to no. do.
0: I don't, you know. You want
1: to just... Well, I've been thinking that the one thing that this pandemic is doing is it's it's revealing a whole lot of pathologies and a whole lot of schisms that have always been there, but it's very illuminating. And one thing is, is that it's, it's just showing up all of the crazy. I was thinking of that old song, Love is in the Air, only you could change it to Crazies in the Air. Mm. And it me in mind of when I was living in Washington, D.C. many years ago. And I went down to the mall one day just walking around and there was a guy with your classic tin foil hat. And uh, he was he was obviously homeless and he had a big sign. And um, the sign read, well, the sign was the first line of this poem, which is called Vagrant. And it only comes to mind because There's a lot of crazy out there. And I think people like me who are a bit on the crazy side anyway are antenna. We're picking it up right out of the air. Um, Vagrant. 73% cannot hear a silent radio. But not me. I hear everyone. I spend most of my life outside. It's never silent here. The air is a radio. I have to listen. I know that to see everything, you have to keep moving, not like a target, like a flashlight. I know how to sleep like someone who trusts himself. This is how I learned. A cat stayed with me for a while. He was striped and thin and cold like a broken tiger. He would sleep beside me and listen to my dreams. When they went bad, he would bite me and I'd wake up. I didn't understand at first. He was sparing me. Once I had a dream about my father who was dying, who looked like Abraham Lincoln, only smaller, who looked like me. In this dream, the cat bit me, and I woke up, but he wasn't there. I never saw him again.
0: That's one of those examples of uh, starting with the reality and imaginative uh, whatever happening off of it, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's fun to surprise yourself, isn't it?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you love it when a poem tells you something you didn't know?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, as I was saying in in an interview recently, um, sometimes a poem will, it'll have such emotional force. I'll feel it so strongly, uh, th- that I'll write it, and it'll surprise the hell out of me, and I won't really know what it it's all about. It's just that it feels so powerful that it's got to be there. And this happened only recently, um, a poem that I wrote years ago, which always has moved me for reasons I can't explain. And it occurred to me as I approached the age of 70, that it's about aging. It's about growing old. (laughs) But I had no idea.
0: You had to get older to figure that out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Yeah, that's really, yeah. That's how poetry works, I think. It's it's just, the mystery is, people, the mystery of poetry is just so captivating to some of us, we just can't stand it. (laughs)
1: Well, it's such a chaotic thing to be doing. You're using the tools of the basic tool of the intellect, which is language, which is very rational. It's the most rational thing we've got. It has to be structured in order to work. And you're using that to express the non-rational aspect of experience. It's almost impossible to do that. And yet that's what we're doing. And it's, it's interesting because at least for me, poetry is expressing what emotion feels like inside. It's one thing to say, I feel sad. Yeah, you know, well, so big deal. But it's another thing to use words to express how that feels inside so that somebody else will feel it inside as yeah. well. Yeah, an incredible
0: challenge to, to get it right and to not yeah. say what somebody else said. <laughs> and that unique <laughs> angle on it and you, to express your unique feeling.
1: What yeah. the heck? Let's yeah. go for let's go for crazy. You want some more crazy? Sure. All right. Oh, there's a duck. There's a duck there in my the backyard. <laughs> well, I'm living in an apartment, but I've got a little patio here and there's a duck walking right up to the door. That's a good <laughs> sign. I'm taking that as a good sign. Yes. Um, this is called U-boats. Um, years ago, there was a, a story in the newspaper. It said, the discovery of U-boat opens new chapter in war history. And war history, historian was quoted as saying, "It's a classic story. Everyone wants to be true about U-boat men coming ashore." Now, I'd never thought about that before, so I had to go at it. We knew there was danger. We knew they were there in their U-boats, those enemy uniforms wrinkling quietly in the stale air they dragged down below. They waited at the bottom of the sea all day, watching swimmers and fishermen through their periscopes. They made plans, they worked radios, they must have played cards, waiting in silence for the end of the day. They would wait for a signal from shore, from a spy, a red and white striped beach umbrella, a hammock, or perhaps just a fire on the beach. They would rise to the surface as slow as a fish, cautious of shadows, only there were no shadows, just the feeble light of the moon and the stars. They would row ashore in rubber dinghies, life rafts. They would hold their breath until their feet touched land, their big boots sucking at sand and the waves cautioning them, waiting for them, pushing at them to load their supplies, drop off saboteurs, look around them and remember, and climb back aboard, sink out of sight before daylight. It was rumored they stole things, clothes off the line, jams from the cellar, once an entire ham, but that could have been gypsies. Children went missing for days, some say kidnapped, but everyone we knew returned. No one ever saw them, but they watched us play watched us work, watched us grow old as they sat underwater, whispering to each other in their foreign language, waiting until we had fallen asleep and they could sneak back ashore. Did you do research on that one or uh, <laughs> no. or work
0: out of your imagination completely? And old, <laughs> old war <Yeah>. movies. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you know, I grew yeah, up—I um, grew up uh, in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina on the East Coast, oh, yeah. and the U-boats would prowl up and down the coast, so those kind of like atmospheric.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can picture them. That, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Let me see here. I'm looking at the. Look at where we are. I think oh, we have we have time to do another one. So I think we should definitely uh, at least get in another poem.
1: You want one long or one short?
0: Whatever you want to
1: do. I'll write one. uh, Write one. I'll medium one. one. (laughs) No, this is uh, written for my Aunt Hattie. Uh, She was a maiden aunt. I don't even know if they used that term any longer. She never married. But she was always very nice to me. And this is called Hattie. There are stories of dead souls who linger among the living to hear what people say about them. Sometimes they don't realize that they've died, and they try to catch your attention, like a kid with a question in a crowded room. I imagine I hear her voice in the wind some nights, but I can't make out the words. My memory of her is fading into those hazy summer evenings in South Carolina where she grew up, her skin glowing and full as the moon. Sometimes when you're alone in the night, the stars make a sound like a match striking, but that's a trick of light, like the sun rainbows she showed me on the wall of the county post office at noon, where she worked as a clerk all of her life, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. Those years of her youth melted there like ice cream in that hot southern light, while the hours at work turned slow as the ceiling bends. Slow as the years of the depression after their parents died, she became the mother of my mother and never a bride. She fixed my mother breakfast in their empty kitchen when there was nothing left for herself, and the room was sliced open by the sharp smell of chicory, poor man's coffee that never really reminded anyone of coffee. When evening curled itself around the wound of a single will. Voices from the Philco radio in their parlor carried the reassurance of distant announcers and big bands in big cities, static spraying into the distance between her and them, into the distance between her and my mother, still a little girl, together on the darkening sofa. Every night the glowing dial filled the room with shadows. Is it just an accident that I'm the one who hears her? Was it really just an accident that after raising my mother, she was the one who never got married? She was always the visitor, carrying presents to someone else's child, carrying presents to me, the distance between her and her sister. She got to wear those puzzling hats, put her feet up in our living room, scandalize everyone by drinking beer from the bottle, then be driven back to train stations and waiting rooms and the distant secret of trains heard at night, another voice, another language, indecipherable as a stain on a sheet. Last night I had this same dream again, that all the power goes out, all the electric clocks are wrong, and I'll be late one day because once they start up again I'll forget to reset them. Everything will seem normal, but something would have slipped. In the dream, she has written me a letter, which she never did outside of dreams, but I can't read it. I don't have candles or even a match to strike. I stand there squinting at the return address in the moonlight through the windows as all the radios fall silent, and I hear the words in the wind. Sorry I choked up. I really loved her.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, an, I find it interesting how many poets have a significant other generation person like that. You know, Jimmy Baca writes about his grandmother. Yeah. A, a lot of grandmothers come up, but like aunts like that. Uh, for Linguette, he had his aunt over in France that he had to live with for a few years when he was really young. And just a big influence, you know, just an important, loving, nurturing person.
1: Yeah, it's important.
0: Yeah. I drank beer out of a bottle. <laughs> uh, uh, that little segment in there, there's a great little character uh, detail, I think, you know.
1: Yeah, and she did really wear puzzling hats. It's oh, like, yeah. You where them in puzzling. the world do they come up with hats like that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Is that like the old time Sunday go to meet in hats? That are- yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, we had a hat fashion show in Oak Park. One time, as part of a, a, a evening of performances, for the intermission, we had a hat fashion show. It was really fun and interesting. And they were all sudden they go to meet and hats, big and flamboyant and bright and beautiful. Yeah. It was really cool. What else would you like to tell me, Rusty? Before we close it on out here, you got anything planned? I don't know if anybody can plan anything the way life is, but uh,
1: um, well, I am working on a giant project of trying to collect all of the poems that I've written over the years that I think are worth saving and then putting them together into a book, which sounds like it should be easy, but I'm finding that it's not. (laughs) Every step of the way is really a pain in the butt. And one of the problems is I don't know how people figure out, and maybe you know, how do you figure out the order in which to put them? I asked one person and they said, well, I I use the uh, staircase method. I just stand at the top of the staircase, take the poems and throw them down and then just pick them up. I
0: couldn't do that. (laughs) Too much of a control freak, I guess. (laughs) But (laughs) I wouldn't go that random. That's an interesting thought. I don't know. I see some of these people's, some people's collected poems, they just go book by book by book, you know, Mm -hmm. which is something to do, I guess. But I'm not sure if, But then I think Ginsburg's collected, they went back and just put them in an order that seemed like a good order. It wasn't chronological, that really big one of his at the end. I just don't, yeah, it's an interesting question.
1: How do you establish order out of something that is not orderly?
0: (laughs) Good point. Well, now you have time. I've considered the same project, but I haven't gone to it yet <laughs> I have a big binder with the ones I think are the you know I gave them numbers I think they're the keepers even yeah. though some of them nobody would want to publish but maybe I I like it because they'll remind me of something and so they're almost like a journalist kind of thing you know yeah but, but to pull out the ones that are worth being published as poems in a big collection oh it is a daunting task
1: yeah and of course there's the old why bother <laughs> <laughs>
0: well yeah there's always that the artist question (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. well I'll leave you and your listeners with a piece of really good advice socks first then shoes
0: beautiful I'm Charlie Rasseter you're listening to Poetry Spoken Here we've been visiting with Rusty Russell from Madison, Wisconsin join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack rossiter Monley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetryspokenhere follow us on Twitter at twitter.com poetryspokenhere. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.